Y'all hear me? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for allowing me to speak this evening. Um, and uh, thank you for coming out for the word of God, okay? Uh, I believe that it's going to be something special because God's hand is definitely on it. Amen? Amen. Oh, I'm getting a little old, y'all. <laughs> I can't quite see. It seems like I'm missing a, a vital piece of my armor, man. Joseph, do me a favor, man. My glass is laying over there because I, I really can't see, man. Um, and I need to see y'all while I speak, amen? I need to see who I'm looking at. You mind bringing them to me real quick? Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Rotororoboshe. Yikotororoboke. Oh, shariandororoboko. Roryaka. Ivo Tororoboshi Katariandoroboko Roria Katariashi Ikatariandoroboko Oh, hallelujah. God gets all the glory. Amen. Let me start by telling you guys a little story. Um, growing up, uh, I don't know if you, a lot of you know, but I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. And my, parent, my parents, um, when they separated, my grandparents pretty much raised me. And my grandfather was an avid fisherman. Um, and he was like the mentor or the male figure in my life that raised me from about nine years old to about 17 years old. But something special um, happened on my 15th birthday. Um, but... Um, being that my grandfather was a, a fisherman, he taught me the trade of fishing. And I remember that, you know, whenever I was about, I don't know, from, from 9 to about 15 years old, my grandfather had this filleting knife. He used to keep it on his side right here. And I used to eye that knife, and I, I used to say, you know what, I would love to have a knife like that. And... um throughout the years, us fishing and going out to fish and, you know, me observing that knife and what he would do with it and he would clean the fish and he would cut the fish and gut the fish and prepare the fish and do all kinds of stuff with that razor sharp filleting knife, you know. And being that he was from the south, my grandfather had this little twang in his voice. You know, I'm trying to mock him right now, but really he did. And he had this little high pitch. Whenever he, you could tell whenever he was excited about something or wanted to tell you something, he'd get about 20 octaves high, and his voice would just raise up. You know, and, and the acoustics, it would just crack off the ceiling wherever you was at. And on my 15th birthday, something special happened. I saw my grandfather, um, and the look in his eye as he approached me with that raise sharp filet knife on his on the side there because he was about to go fishing and um he said to me he said in that that high voice here he said well son it's your 15th birthday here and uh, I got something special for you see I was going to give it to you when you were about 12 years old but you weren't ready to have it because you might cut yourself and I didn't want you 
want you to hurt yourself because I'd be responsible for you if you cut yourself. I don't want to take you to the hospital and get no stitches. You understand what I'm saying? But uh, now you're about 15. This is your 15th birthday, and I've seen you behind the knife. And so look, here. This is what I'm going to do now. Take the knife. Just take it. Don't try and give the knife back to me because it's yours now. So I want you to have it. But there's one thing I got to tell you. There's, there's two things, one or two things that you can do with this razor sharp land knife here now. See, you can use this knife to clean the fish, cut the fish, scale the fish, and prepare the fish for your family to eat. And I tell you what, it'll do the body good. It'll be some good old soul food for the body. You see? Or you can take this same razor sharp filet knife and you can cut your own throat. It's your choice. But one thing's for sure, son. I put it in your hands, and your blood won't be on mine. So this is a warning, son. Choose wisely. And I remember <laughs> that razor sharp filet knife. And I learned a lesson throughout my life about making choices. Because I could use that filleting knife to feed or to kill my future. But it's all about a choice. And today, we're going to learn about choices and some wrong choices that were made. God is so good. Amen. And he's given me a series, uh, a net of scripture to tie together here, hopefully to catch your attention. Because I think the church... Wake up, church. Has been asleep long enough. Wake up! Amen. Well, let me clear my throat <coughs> so I can blow my trumpet. Amen. If you think about choices, I mean, we can look at choices from the very apex of the creation when God put the planets and the stars in orbit. Genesis. And, and he created the man out of the dust of the ground. And he blew into his nostrils the breath of life. When man came up out of the ground, he was a vigilant being. Remember? He could see. And Adam could see so good that God chose to help him with the creation. So what happened was, was after God created the animals, he brought them to Adam. And everything that Adam saw, he named it. So Adam saw an animal walking towards him with black and white stripes. He called that a zebra. Because there ain't no gray areas with this message. And that's what it was. Amen. It's either black or white. There's a choice. Amen. And after Adam helped God with creation and named the animals, 
God had took out of the man what he had already put in the man, which was called a woman. The first, church, he put Adam to sleep. Amen. So when he put Adam to sleep, God pulled the woman out of the man's womb. Okay. And, and after he pulled the woman out of the man's womb, he took this couple and he placed them in a home called the garden. Amen. And everything was in this garden that man's heart could desire. He didn't have to do anything but just live in the garden. But God created man with a free choice, with, with, with the ability to make his own choice. God didn't create Adam and Eve as a robot. Man had a free will, amen? Because remember, it's about choices. And in this garden, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, except for this one tree called the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But you got a, you got a choice, son. You don't have to eat from that tree. But um, unfortunately, when God placed man in his home called the garden, there was a thief casing the house, a little robber. And, and he was right outside, and he discovered that there was a crack in the door. And the thief slid through the door. And before you know it, see, because Adam, Adam not only was created in the image and the likeness of God, but he was the head of the house. He was the head of the home. He was the head of his house. And he should have been watching, right? Remember, this is about sight. He should have been watching and protecting his wife. So when this thief slid in and began to talk to his wife, somewhere along the line, Adam fell short of being a watchman. And they both partook of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that their eyes were open. But I want to tell you, they were closed. Because at that time, they were separated from God. And ever since then, in the garden, we've been trying to get our eyesight back. But thank God for the cross. Thank, thank, thank God for the cross, because now, wake up, church. Can you see me now? I got eyes to see. And I remember reading the Gospels and, and seeing in the Gospels another story about the garden. But this time, oh, boy. The man himself walked through the garden, just like he walked through the garden in the book of Genesis. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And while he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he had three pillars of faith, the heads of the new church, Peter, James, and John, walking with him. He said, look here, fellas. Come on down here real quick, because... I'm feeling a little heavy in my spirit right now. This is my hour of temptation, and I need you 
I need you to watch my back real quick. So this is what I want you to do. I want you, I want you to go a stone's throw away and sit over there by that tree. Watch and pray. And when Jesus went over into his hour of temptation, a stone's throw away, his trusted companions, the heads now, who should have had eyes to see the master in the greatest temptation, the church fell asleep. Wake up, church. They were asleep. So Jesus, he goes over to Peter. 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 Wake up. Wake up, Peter. Could thou not watch with me for just one hour? Wake up, Peter. James, John, my pillars, where you at? The church fell asleep. And one more, one more strong man that we're going to talk about and discuss here tonight. His name's Samson. Samson fell asleep in the lap of a young lady named Delilah. Now remember, his strength was in his head. And when he fell asleep in Delilah's lap, she began to play with his head. Can you braid my hair? Because she began to braid his hair, and while she was braiding his hair, she unlocked the mysteries to the secrets that gave him his strength. He gave away the answer. And before you know it, the thief, the Philistines, had broken to the house. And they gouged out his eyes. Because it's your sight the enemy is after. Peter, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And today, the thief crept in to the house of Eli. And this is where we're going to be touching. But I had to lay the foundation of this message because it's upon that word that we will build this church. Amen. In 1 Samuel, chapter 3, one, verses 1 two, through 2, and I'll be reading this like a story, so if you would follow along. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, Eli was very old. 
And he kept hearing all that his sons were doing in Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meetings. Eli was about 98 years old and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the people cannot see what God is doing. They will stumble all over themselves. But will they attend to what he reveals? They are most blessed. In this story about Eli, Eli had two knucklehead sons named Hophni and Phinehas. And Hophni and Phinehas, according to the word of God, did not know the Lord. But their father was a pastor. And let me clarify something real quick about the title, pastor. Because if you have a child or children, if you are a spouse and you have a husband or a wife, you fit in the category of a pastor. Because according to the word of God, you've been entrusted to steward over that soul. So we all fit in this little box called a pastor. Amen. And Eli, being the head of his house, fell asleep on his watch, pastor. And his sons grew up under his leadership because he was supposed to be the head of his house. But when the head's eyes fall asleep, what happens to the body? Believe me, it will fall. And it did. And as Eli's eyes grew dim, as the lights began to flicker in his house, you know what they say. If the parents can't see what's going on in the home, even though they're home, and when they leave home, the kids will play. See, because Eli was a father, he was a pastor, but his sons failed to obey the instruction of their father. And when your kids become the head of the home and you lose your authority as a parent, the children will cast off all kinds of restraints and get buck wild. And basically that's what Eli was was doing. He allowed his sons to do whatever they wanted to do. And Hophni and Phinehas were running through the women in the church like a fox through a hen house. They were sleeping with every one of the women they came in contact with simply because their father failed to instruct them and bring instruction to their bad behavior. And I'm going to tell you what, When we give our children a crutch and we tell them that it's okay and we pat them on the back, little Tommy, it's okay. And we allow their bad behavior to be medicated. We're giving them a crutch to follow us on broken legs because it's a handicap. Anytime we cannot correct our children, we have fallen short at being the head of the house. Church, 
Wake up. Wake up. You're falling asleep on your watch. And these two knuckleheads, as I will call them, Hophni I and Phineas, not only were sleeping with the women in the church, but they also were threatening the pastor. They were stick-up artists, robbing the men of God. For the sacrifice. And if the men of God decided that they did not want to give Hophni and Phineas what they desired, they would threaten them. We'll take it by force. I mean, where they do that? I mean, what, do, what house do they do that at? But this happened under the roof of God. In the house of God. And the people in the town knew what was going on. They brought the news to their father, and he failed to reprimand them and to bring instruction and correction as a head of his home. Somewhere along the line, Eli lost his sight, his vision. He was in the house, but the lights weren't on. And the word of God says that when his sight, his eyesight had grew dim, the very candle that should have been burning in the house of the Lord that represented the light of the world, our Savior, had went out. I ask you a question, church. Can you see? And if you can't, wake up. Because if you think that your children are exempt from the world creeping into your home, you are mistaken. Somewhere along the line, Hophni and Phinehas and Eli in the house of God, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to get some rest, and poverty will come upon you like a thief. The thief had crept into their home. And while Eli was laid back reclining in his chair with his eyes closed, the world had crept into his house and influenced his kids. I'll show you why. See, because that's what happens when we fall asleep on our watch. When we fail to be the head of our house and to have vigilant eyes to see our kids and what they're doing. And I could just imagine Hophni and Phineas up in their bedroom where their father was sleeping in his lazy boy chair in the living room. And as the world's influence crept up to their room, Hophni, Phineas, the thief was knocking on the door. Everybody's doing it. A little porn? It's okay. Everybody in your class is doing it. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to know. Hafniai. Phineas. 
You want to go on a date? Ah, there's plenty of fish. Cast your net over the internet. And land you one of those mackerels. Everybody's doing it. The world's influence had crept into their home. And because their father, the head of the house, had lost his sight, he failed to rebuke and to chasten his children. Yeah, I know what the scriptures say. And train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they become old, they will not depart from it. But somewhere in the early part of their life, as children to adulthood, Eli lost his sight somewhere in the middle when they were teenagers. And the world crept in and became the voice in the house of God. And when we allow the world's influence to come into the house of God, church, we have fallen asleep on our watch. And it's time to wake up. If you love your children and you care about your spouse, wake up. Because it's our loved ones, the next generation of fire starters. No robber cases a house that doesn't have anything of value inside. And your children are valuable. That's why he wants your house. That's why he wants to come inside your house and invade your home and influence your children. Because there's something of substance and value. In us, pastors, leaders, as the heads of our homes, have the obligation and the sworn duty to protect and to serve what belongs to us. Amen? And somewhere along the line, an old prophet that had eyes to see walked down the road and he warned Eli about what his kids were doing. And he told him that there was a swift and pending judgment on the way. And you would have thought this man, this pastor or this leader, the head of his home, would have paid attention to the words that were coming out of his mouth. But he failed to recognize. And with his eyes wide open, he was asleep. And he failed to recognize and to reprimand his children. And they fell by the sword. Because it's about a choice. We all have choices. Church. And because Eli failed to reprimand his children and to correct and to rebuke them while he was laid back, the head of this house, in his reclining chair, in his lazy boy chair, at the city gate, at the entrance, when they delivered the message about his sons falling by the sword, the head of the house fell back and broke his neck. 
Because when the body, when the head falls, the body is close to follow. If the head of the house is removed, I can guarantee you the body will follow. When that had happened, church, church, wake up, church, wake up, church, Samuel, Samuel, God raised up another young man the house of God that had eyes to see and ears to hear. And his name was Samuel. Because when the old leadership fails, the head of the house, to raise up the next generation of fire starters, we fail as leaders in our home. It's our responsibility. It's our obligation to bring our kids to church and to get them involved in the activities that's going on in the church. And if we don't, I can guarantee you, you'll be raising a generation of hothead and thinners. Samuel. Can you see me now? our responsibility. This young man took the place of fallen leadership because Eli failed to be the head of his house when his lights went out and he lost his sight. There was another head established because God's church will never fall by the wayside. Wake up, church! Wake up! We have fallen asleep on our watch. And it's time to sound the alarm, blow the trumpet, and execute a warning that the enemy has crept into our homes and he's after your children. Because that's the next generation. Those are the ones that will carry the fire, the flame, back into their schools and communities. The next generation of fire starters, the next Elijahs, the next Elishas, the next Jeremiahs, the next Samuels, will be the ones that have eyes to see the move of God. And when we lose our sight as elders, or like we like to say, pastors, because we all fit into that box. Parents. When we lose sight of what God is doing, even in our own home, 
I can guarantee you, when you have no vision, the people will cast off restraint. And your kids will become rebellious. And once again, Hophniots and Phinehas will run the church. Wake up, church! It's time to take back what God has given us. Take authority and control in our homes. Be the head of our homes as parents to raise the next generation of Samuels. To be leaders and to raise the next generation of fire starters. Don't be the one that pours water on the flame to sabotage the dream. How many of y'all got cans of gasoline out there? Let me get a little. Because that's what we need poured on this fire. If we're going to be effective and make a difference or make a change, we need some zeal. Amen? Guess what? church wake up church wake up church we're living in the last days family of God Jesus warned us he warned us about falling asleep And there's several parables that the Lord spoke about falling asleep in this warning exhortation by our Lord and our Savior. And while men slept, he said, an enemy came and sowed tear amongst the wheat. You think that's out there? That's in here. Wake up, church. The horn is a little squeaky, but my voice isn't. Sound the alarm! Wake up, church. Hophnius and Phineas were sold into the church. And as the scriptures say, they caused the people of God to sin. They became the influence in the house of God. Why? Because their father failed to do their job. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. I remember whenever I was a kid. I'm going to get ready to close out here. And I told you that my grandparents raised me in that. Raise your child from laying down. And my grandfather would carry on the side. My grandmother carried something called a switch. (laughs) What happened to that? What happened to the switch? See, because it was that switch that made a difference in my life. Had it not been for that switch, I wouldn't be here today. 
because they truly trained me up as a child in the way that I should go. And even though somewhere in the middle of my life I went wrong, God's grace brought me back. Amen. Here I am today. Samuel. Follow me. Good leadership raises up the next generation that has eyes to see and ears to hear. Wake up, church! The next generation of fire starters. Amen? The next generation of Samuel. And it's our responsibility to be the head of our homes and to have eyes to see what's going on in our homes. Because we as parents and the head of our house be held accountable, pastor, for the soul that's been entrusted for you to steward over. Amen? I think you're awoke now. Glory to God. Thank you for hearing me out this evening, our family of God. I truly believe, as your brother, that fire starters will make a difference. But it's, us to, it's up to us as the head of our homes to make the difference. To bring our kids, to bring our children, our young adults into the house of God. And not to accept what they're doing or turn a blind eye to bad activity. And pat them on the back and give them a crutch to follow us on broken legs. Because we enabled them in the bad behavior do that. It's up to us to say no. Little Tommy, not today. You won't learn today. Not in my house. It's time for us as the head of our homes to take a stand. As leaders in the church to take a stand and to be the exact the examples, excuse me, for our children to follow. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you this evening for allowing me to speak a rhema word. God, you gave me this word for the church in this hour. You are ringing the alarm. And it's time for your people to wake up out of their stupor, out of their sleep, and out of their slumber. It's time for us to be vigilant in our homes to watch and to pray over our children and what you have entrusted us to steward over. Lord, help us not to fall asleep on our watch. God, give us the grace that we need every day to follow through on your orders and to be good parents or pastors of our homes. The head of our house. God, we thank you today that you have entrusted us and you've qualified us to be the leaders in our house. 
Help us to receive this word today, Lord. Not to turn a deaf ear like Eli and allow our children to continue in their bad behavior. But God, help us to do a 180. Not to do a 360 and continue to do the same things that we've always done. Because that's crazy. But help us to change directions. Of course, a pattern in our lives. And to go the opposite way, even when dealing with our kids. Help us not to be their friends, but to be their parents. And it's in Jesus' name, Father God, we pray.